0: Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. I'm with Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and I have the honor and pleasure to have Bishop Strickland on once a week to talk about the Catholic faith and how to fall in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the Church. Bishop Strickland, welcome to another hour.
1: Hello, Terry.
0: God bless you, Bishop Strickland. Hey, we have, for those who are brand new, what we do here is we talk about Bishop Strickland's Uh, tweets about some of the tweets that he did in the previous week. And then we go right into the Catechism of the Catholic Church and read right from the Catechism to talk about, like right now we're in the profession of faith. Now, why do we do that? I bet you everybody who's listening right now would agree with this statement, that the majority of Catholics today don't have a really good grasp of their Catholic faith, that maybe they just lost something when they were young and they're an adult now and they just missed out on learning the fundamentals of the faith. And so my analogy is if you're a good boxer or a good ball player you work on the fundamentals to be a good sportsman. Well in the faith you got to work on the fundamentals and I say year round. Uh and I'm doing that. I'm a good example. I've I'm 64 years of age now and uh through the grace of God, this is my 50th year that I've been really in love with Jesus Christ in the Mass, in the Eucharist. And I say to myself, every day I'm learning something more. I never stop until my last breath. And so I would encourage you to study your faith every single day, taking a Bible and the Catechism. So that's my suggestion. And Bishop Strickland, you made several tweets this this, uh, past week. And... um, one of the tweets you, you talked about is that you said it's critically necessary that we call every Catholic to a deep, profound relationship with Jesus Christ in this real Eucharistic presence. And that we, because we'll never renew the Catholic Church without that and the Immaculate Virgin Mary as anchors. And we must cling to that. Uh, well, Bishop Strickland, I got what you said, but, you know, the saints have been saying that for centuries.
1: That's nothing new. Yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, we just keep repeating the same message, but obviously it needs to be repeated oh, yeah. because too many aren't listening. Yep. And uh, really, both of those, the the devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, the yep. real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, and the devotion to his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, like we talk about so often, Terry. yeah. That, that is supernatural. yeah. And we need to really deepen. For those of us who do believe, as you were saying, it's a lifetime of learning, a lifetime of deepening that faith. Because we're talking about infinite mysteries. Yeah. Mysteries that are so far beyond mm-hmm. our imagining and our ability to understand. It really, <clears throat> it's a... It's a poverty to not recognize what a wonder the life that God has given us really is. Mm. And the more we dive into that, and the saints are are reminders of that. They, They are people who got it, who understood that we are living a profound mystery, even at this moment. Both of us, sixty-something mm-hmm. men, old <laughs> um, guys, that there are things going on in our bodies, yeah, oh, keeping yeah. us alive, that are full of amazing science and mysteries that can't be fully explained. That's just being here, yeah. As we speak, just we need to be. That's one of the beauties of of children. I. Uh, Had the chance to visit a family of seven children last night. Awesome. Just had a nice family dinner with them.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, The youngest is just over two months old. Oh, my God. The oldest is 15. Awesome. Um, Seven kids. But what calls that to mind is the, there was one little stinker (laughs) (laughs) Uh, about four years old. Oh, yeah. But just full of curiosity, asking me questions, just so full of life. Yes. And really, Terry, I need to remind myself and we all need to be reminded to be children of God. And to, to have that kind of excitement and joy and curiosity <laughs> about every day. Do I live that? I, I wish I, I could say I did. I, I work at it, but as adults, we get bogged down in the serious problems and the struggles and the controversies and the turmoil. Mm. And it's, I mean, there's a lot to be bogged down in. There's yeah. a lot of turmoil. There's a lot to be worried about. But I think if we keep God's divine perspective, mm. I mean, we can't really, we, we can't imagine that. But even if we try to approach it, I think what does Christ tell us? Mm. Be like children, not childish, but childlike. Yeah. If we look at politics, if we look at the church, if we look at business, if we look at all the so-called adult world, a lot of it comes down to childishness. Yep. yep. We want it our way. We want to be in charge. We want all the power. We want all that we want. We want. Isn't that what the childish child does? Christ calls us to be childlike, to be those who are full of wonder, full of joy, full of hope, and recognizing very seriously, but joyfully, we are just scratching the surface of the mystery of life and the wonder that God has laid out for us. And to believe and to live as if we've got it all figured out, and we've got all the answers, like so many do. Um, It's a poverty. It impoverishes us from the wealth of life that God wants to share with us.
0: Bishop Strickland, you should have. we We were talking just like that today on the Terry and Jesse show. Jess was out of town, and I was speaking about redemptive suffering and how we're called to the universal call to holiness, that It's not just bishops or priests or nuns that are called to holiness. We all are called to this holiness. And when we realize that every action is like a blank check, it has infinite value if we give it to the Lord, that even among all this craziness, whether it's in the church or in the government, and it is, it's crazy right now, that we as individuals can have that union with that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, especially in the Holy Eucharist, And we can offer all that to Jesus and be part of the big solution in the church. It excites me to even think like that. And thank you for sharing that insight on that, because this is what we need to have, because people are going to become distraught when we see all the things that are going on in our culture and in our church. And we have to remember this, that we're part of the solution, and it's by our holiness, by living in union with Jesus Christ, staying close to the sacraments, his visits to the Blessed Sacrament, getting to confession. And we're doing our duty. And I think that's all that God can ask of us is to do our duty. Our Lady of Fatima talked about sanctifying that with the family. <coughs> and I just think that as a bishop, you keep hitting on the fundamentals. And this is what every Catholic needs today. And, and Bishop Strickland, I'm going to be honest with you. I got solar panels up on top of my roof Um I I try to recycle plastic bottles, but I'm so glad that you're not telling me about recycling and getting solar panels and being you know a good steward, which I I get that. And you're taking your time to spend on my soul and getting myself prepared to meet God when I die for with holiness. That's so much more important than putting solar panels up or recycling. So thank you for doing that. And, and that's not a, a a you know hit on people who are talking you know to be so careful about this you're talking about the most essential things in life salvation and i thank you for that
1: all right now. really terry let me Hit. let me touch on that because Hit me. Hit me. i think you you're saying something that's very profound and very important to remember yeah. that we so easily lose touch with in today's complicated world mm-hmm. um you're you're concern, you have solar panels yeah, and you yeah. Recycle. Worry about recycling, all that, because you're a man of faith. Yeah. Because you know God and you know who you are. Yeah. That's my job, is to help people know God and to know who they are. If we know that, then we're not going to be selfish. Exactly. I mean, we're going to at least work against that tendency to be selfish. We're all sinners. Yep. But if we want a better world. Yep we need to know God amen know that we are built for everlasting life amen. that our destiny is salvation when we really grasp that like the saints we begin to say yes every moment of my life is then valuable like that blank check that you mentioned yep, yep. it means to be it needs to be cashed in on doing good every way that we can. Being aware that, like you talk about redemptive suffering, that all of that's bound up in in the simplest things sometimes, sometimes huge things, sometimes devastating moments in our lives that we offer to God, and it becomes redemptive. But we build toward that by developing a lifestyle where, and I'm still, I mean, we're all a work in progress. Mm -hmm. We all have to keep learning. But rather than complaining, just saying, Lord, I give that to you. Maybe a person is aggravating us, or maybe they did something that really isn't fair or isn't just. But to to offer that to the Lord intentionally begins to build toward that redemptive suffering that can be huge when it comes to really big moments of suffering we can offer to God.
0: Well said. You're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour <laughs> on Virgin Most Powerful Radio stay with us with more of Bishop Strickland hour Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland hour and we're talking about redemptive suffering I when I just thought this is a thought that came in my formation letter as the Opus Angelorum, and the comment was that if we understood suffering, especially in the hospitals, the wasted pain that's going on because people haven't been catechized to understand they can unite that sufferings with the sufferings of Christ, they say that it could become like a spiritual atomic power plant where graces would be flowing throughout the world and conversions would be taking place because so many people are you know, praying with their suffering and that's a very efficacious way to pray because god honors that and so that's why we wanted to think about what we can do for the church is offer every action to our lord and savior jesus christ and our life becomes a continual prayer well bishop strickland you also uh, made a a comment Uh, we're we're actually recording this this particular show on the 15th of june and i noticed that you said, I encourage everyone to make June 15th a special day of prayer dedicated to St. Michael the Archangel. And I, you said you can visit a link on your tweet. Uh, what's that all about? Why, why St. Michael on the 15th of June?
1: Well, it um, really is connected with the—it's very um, well known that it's Pride Month. Okay. And oh, gosh. really just out of uh, love for everyone and a desire to share the truth. Yeah. And uh, St. Michael is powerful. Yep. So to turn to St. Michael and to pray for all of those who are caught up in mm. the darkness of thinking we can be prideful about any sin. I mean, not to not to just zero in on the sins that uh are really pertinent to Pride Month, right. but any sin mm-hmm. to be prideful and say, "Well, let's celebrate our our choice to ignore what God has revealed to us." Let's not. Yeah. And Saint Michael um, is a great image of the power of the Lord. Saint Michael doesn't have any power; he points us to the power of God. Amen. And. As the archangel Michael, that is something we need to remember: mm-hmm. the power of good that is in the angels. They are personal beings; they're they're spirits. They're not; they don't have physical beings, but like us. But um, I I thought it was important in the middle of June to yeah. just take a day to. Really, remember, I say the St. Michael prayer often, yeah, um, and I'm sure many people do, but more of us need to recognize what does that prayer acknowledge that evil is real, and the demons are roaming this world, seeking the ruin of souls. The Bible That's not, you know, to make us all fearful. If we believe in Christ, we should fear none of that, but we should be aware. We should be wide awake and alert to the wiles of the devil working to drag us into hell with the rest of the demons. Um, Again, it comes back to, do we really believe in heaven and hell? I do. And if we do, if we say, yes, I believe there's a heaven. Yes, I believe there's a hell. Then if we have a brain, we want to avoid hell. And we want to embrace heaven saint michael's there to help help us in the battle and it is a battle um a battle of the spirit a battle between good and evil
0: well said bishop strickland that's exactly where it's at now you had another profound tweet by archbishop fulton sheen the venerable fulton sheen who had a great love for the blessed sacrament and you quoted him, he said in his book, The Treasure in Clay, the secret to my preaching is that I have never in 55 years missed a spending an hour in the presence of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. He said that's where the power comes from. That's where sermons are born. That's where every good thought is conceived. Now, Bishop Strickland, this is the same Bishop Sheen For 60 years, because that's uh, also, he spent 60 years of doing this as a practice. And he prayed that our Lord would take him while he was in adoration in the Blessed Sacrament. And on December 9th, 1979, that Sunday morning, they found him dead on his knees before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, Bishop Strickland, I don't know about you. Maybe I whatever. I pray that whatever God sends my way, I will die his way I sure wouldn't mind dying before the Blessed Sacrament, but my question to you is you took this quote. Obviously you took it seriously because you spend hours before the Blessed Sacrament. So you're encouraging us all to do this. Is that a fair statement to spend time before our Lord in the
1: Eucharist? Absolutely. And just to really acknowledge that um I'm sort of late to the to the to the work. <laughs> I mean, I've always believed Yeah. from the first communion as a little kid, oh, yeah. seven years or so, yeah. seven years old. I've always believed in the real presence. That's the way I was taught. Thankfully, I've never wavered in that belief. But I, I have to say that faith has grown. Amen. And my um, being a priest has, has been a, a great blessing. And it's also brought the challenge of a deeper faith. Mm-hmm. I didn't spend my early years always many of the young priests talk about doing that the the daily holy hour. Yeah. And that's become much more my practice now. I actually try to maybe I guess I'm making up for lost time. Yeah. Cuz I try to spend more than just an hour in adoration when I possibly can. Yeah. But um that Plugs us in, and and like you said, Terry, not just for priests, no. not just for ordained people, right. not just for the holy ones, which you know a lot of people um, sort of question that these days. But because all of us are sinners, of course. But it really is for all of the baptized, all believers. The more we can, um, like for 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 yourself. A husband, a father, and a yeah. grandfather yep. to plug into the power source. That's what Archbishop Sheen is talking about, oh. and I can testify that even though I'm late to the game and I didn't make it a a practice as much as I should have and and could have, but thankfully I'm I'm waking up to that and encouraging others too. Um, but I can testify that my homilies, my teaching. My joy, my life, everything that's going on for me as a bishop now, for coming going on nine years, in November, I'll be a Bishop nine years. And everything I do as a bishop, the power source is that prayer before the Blessed Sacrament. And I would add to that, and I know that Archbishop Sheen mm. would add to it, um, what i what we talked about earlier prayer before the Blessed Sacrament and prayer begging the Immaculate Virgin Mary to help me pray better before her son, to follow him more closely, to to turn to Christ in the Blessed Sacrament and the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, I'm a broken record that is just going to keep repeating that yep. as long as I have breath to repeat anything. Man.
0: And Bishop Strickland, I'll tell you, Little kids have impressed me with their love for the Eucharist. I see mothers and moms, if you're listening, take your children to go visit Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. Don't worry about the baby crying. I'm going to be honest with you, Bishop Strickland. I get mad sometimes when people say, hey, the, the baby's making some noise. You know what? What did Jesus say? Let the little children come on to me. Well, here's what impresses me. I see little kids wave to Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. I have a grandson, and when he was one year old, Father Wolfgang was giving Holy Communion. I didn't even notice it. I always carry my grandson up when I go to receive Holy Communion. Okay? And, you know, a lot of times the priest will give him a little blessing. Great. But I bring him up, and he's just one year old, and what does he do? He puts his mouth out with his tongue. He puts his tongue out. He wants to receive Holy Communion like the rest of us. Now, I did notice for the last four months that he's still doing that every time I bring him up. And I try to explain to him, you know, son, uh, when you get to be big, you'll be able to receive Holy Communion. I mean, he barely can say a word, but he's already being exposed to the Blessed Sacrament. I think that is a good idea, and I would encourage our parents to bring Jesus. I know mothers that make holy hours at churches, and they bring the children in to visit Jesus. And I know an order of priests who would come to our family conferences And it was awesome, Bishop. He still comes to our Wichita Family Conference, and they teach the little children about Jesus and the Eucharist. And I'm going to say this now, because a generation was lost, or two generations, for love for the Eucharist. You give a little child his love for the Eucharist, and he's got that when he's young, it will stay with him for life. Whether he rejects it at one point, he'll come back to that, because the graces that are there will be there for him When he's older, and I'm convinced that many young people will not leave the church. And Bishop Strickland, I hate to give you this statistic, and you know it. Eighty-eight percent of young adults, by the time they're 23, are not practicing their faith. And I guarantee it that if they had a love for the Blessed Sacrament, many of them would not leave the church. So what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me, and I would encourage, again, families, even once a week, Holy hours, okay? I know we did that when our kids were young, and there wasn't anybody else in the church. We had perpetual adoration. We took an hour and, you know, brought our children in, and we would talk to them about who's there. This is instruction time. And again, if the kids can have that love for the blessed sacrament, the source and summit of the Christian life, that's what I think is so important, especially today. So I'm a broken record with you, Bishop Strickland. We need to talk about... Christ's love in the Eucharist, and encourage <clears throat> people to visit Jesus. Matter of fact, I'm going to be honest with you right now. There's a priest in our chapel. I'm spoiled. We have a church 100 feet away from this studio. And my priest friend is uh, a major in the military, and he was just coming to visit. And he says, Terry, can I use your chapel to say Mass? Because I'm on my way down to San Diego. Heck yeah, he's in there praying a holy hour right now. And he told me, I'm so blessed because I'm always in and out of hospitals or in and out of the hotels and doing military. And to spend that time before the Blessed Sacrament, it's like gold. And so not just priests, but everyone. Okay, I'm done preaching on the Eucharist, Bishop Strickland. You're the bishop. I'm just a layman. But I wanted to give that witness of how powerful it is to spend time before our Lord and our Eucharistic King. All right, we're almost done with this segment Bishop Strickland. Can you give us a plug on your institute that you have in your diocese, please? I want to hear about it.
1: Yeah, the St. Philip Institute, stphilipinstitute.org is the website. Mm-hmm. Philip with one L. Um they actually on the Eucharist, they have a great video that's available there. Good. On the uh Eucharistic miracles. Really? And certainly those aren't um, things that are required for people to believe but I think it, the, the, there are some miracles that have been approved by the church and I think they remind us of the great miracle that the Eucharist did
0: well said Bishop Strickland. we come back we're going to talk about your letter to the flock of Tyler stay with us Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Uh, Bishop Strickland, you wrote a letter to your diocese, but I read the letter, and I think it's to every Catholic who's baptized, because uh, you're talking about a letter to the flock of Tyler regarding the Holy Communion controversy. Well, you've you've spoken for weeks on this topic, but can you, um, I mean, I, I like what, uh, I'm just going to say, you said in your letter that your main purpose is always to teach the Catholic faith clearly and give us all the knowledge we need to address the many controversies that arise—not just on the holy Eucharist, but it could be a number of controversies. We have a deposit of faith. So, what made you clearly write this letter to your flock? Are you? Uh, what was your concern? Well, yeah,
1: the um, the controversy about politicians that call themselves devout Catholics, but are supporting not anti-Catholic teaching Mm -hmm. or supporting abortion, which is contrary to what the church teaches. Um, It really, Terry, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy. Good. Um, So am I. And it's it's simple. I, I get frustrated that it becomes so complex and so convoluted. Yeah, it's it's simple. We believe that abortion is intrinsically evil it's the murder of an unborn child yep and to support something that's intrinsically evil that we consider murder that's clearly stated as such in the in the catechism of the catholic church to support and really vigorously promote that is contrary to the catholic faith and doing anything that is clearly contrary to the catholic faith and then receiving communion is in a more than inappropriate, it's a sacrilege. It's it's wrong. And that's basically what I said in this letter. What it, it reminds me, Terry, of the attitude that's that's pretty much something of sort of the history books as, yeah. as far as I understand. But you know, the the mafia was pretty Prevalent, I, I suppose it still is, but you don't hear much about the mafia. You hear about other groups of of gangs and everything. But if you go back to the movie The Godfather and you have these actors portraying the these mafia leaders, they're having somebody murdered and then they're going to church and receiving communion it's the same problem yeah it's a it's a contradiction yeah we're all sinners um i and that's what i tried to acknowledge in this letter i have to acknowledge that i need to repent of my sins and i need to grow in virtue that's a that's a step in the right direction for properly receiving our lord in the blessed sacrament to if we all if we have to be perfect, nobody should be going to communion nice. ever. That's not what the Lord gave it gave his body and blood for. It is to heal us and to strengthen us. But I was thinking about it earlier today, Terry, that we sometimes it, it's like the attitude is, well, you know, it, it to use different imagery or a different idea. It's, it's like you, you have cancer, and you're just going to put this ointment on it yeah. instead of digging out the cancer, having surgery to eliminate the tumor so that you can be healed. Yeah. That's what you seem to hear sometimes, and maybe I'm just not understanding what's being said, but if you have the tumor of mortal sin in your life, if you can use that imagery to say that mortal sin is a tumor in your life that needs to be eliminated, to receive communion as some sort of a, a saving ointment, which it's meant to be, it's yeah. the body of Christ. Right. Um, but to receive that without eradicating the tumor and seeking the full healing that Christ offers us, to me that's contradictory, and it's its really playing with fire to receive Christ, when we're blatantly denying Christ in another aspect of our lives, that contradiction, what do the scriptures say? A house divided cannot stand. And if we think of ourselves as a dwelling of the Holy Spirit, that's a division that is going to catch up with us somewhere along the way. If we're denying Christ and denying the teachings of his church and then receiving him in his Eucharistic presence, something's got to give. And frankly, I want to do my best to continue to to turn from sin, to repent of my sin, to confess any sins that I'm aware of, and to seek humbly to be as worthy to receive our Lord as I can be. Um, that's That's what it's about. And to ignore the teachings of Christ's church and then to receive him in in communion, that contradiction is not healthy to the soul or to the body of Christ that the church is.
0: Bishop Strickland, as a layman, I have two proposals I want to run by. You tell me I'm all wet. I, I need to be corrected. But I was thinking about a married man like I am. I have intimacy with my wife and only with my wife. I commune with her. And now this might be a bad analogy, but correct me if I'm wrong. That is, when I receive Holy Communion, if I'm in mortal sin, it would be like having relations with another woman. In other words, I'm not uh, prepared to do that because I've made my commitment to my wife, so I would be sinning. So if I'm going to receive Holy Communion in the state of mortal sin, I'm using that analogy of my married uh, status is saying I'm committed to her. And so the analogy is it would be like committing adultery because I am uh, having intimacy with a woman that I'm not married to. And if I'm going to receive Holy Communion in the state of objective mortal sin, uh, it's the same thing. I, I can't commune with my Lord until I clean my soul. So that's number one. Number two I read a magazine for many years called Homiletic and Pastor Review. Now, it's only online now, but I've read so many articles about the Eucharist and how so many of our priests have been formed poorly in the seminary. Maybe you were. I don't know where you went to seminary, but their love for the Eucharist in uh, understanding the Eucharist, they were giving, you know, like lay people were about 80% of us who don't really believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I think, and this is my take from being around priests and I've talked to priests who don't believe in the real presence they're like no big deal give communion to anybody I I share this story and I don't mean to be I won't say names but I was at a mission down in San Diego and I was talking about you can't receive only communion in the state of mortal sin and the pastor had his arms folded in the back of the church and I thought oh, oh I'm in trouble now but hey you know what it is what it is so he you know I was staying at the rectory I was at the dinner table having a great meal we're just talking and he says, uh, you know what I did today? And I said, no, uh, Monsignor, what did you do today? Just as a conversation. He said, well, there was a lady that um, she needed me to give Holy Communion to. She's very sick, and her daughter came. And, you know, her daughter had been away from the church 25 years. And when I gave Holy Communion to the, the mother who was very sick, who was a devout Catholic, I asked her if she wanted to receive Holy Communion too. And so what do you think of that? And I'm at the dinner table. And Bishop Strickland, I think it was the Holy Spirit because you know, if I would have said, "You're," I said, "Pass the salt, Monsignor. I need some more salt on my potatoes." I really did say that to him, and 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 I didn't answer him because I felt like, "What can I say?" He heard me speak on this,
1: but here I was. I thought Terry, you were going to confess that you threw the mashed potatoes at him.
0: (laughs) Well, the point the point I'm making is, I've met priests who just don't think it's a big deal. Because the Eucharist, I question, and I'm just saying, maybe, a, who am I to judge? But I see this by talking to them, that they don't believe that it's really the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. I, over 42 years, I've met priests who say, it's just a symbol. And I'm like, you, you're you a priest, and you think it's just a symbol? Well, no wonder well, why.
1: Really, Terry, um, I've, I've thought about the, the same realities, and and really, I don't know that I've ever personally heard a priest oh, okay. actually admit oh, that yeah. he doesn't believe. Certainly, you could see by their actions yeah. and by the way, you know, giving communion to whoever yeah. walks in and says, "I'll, I'll take some." Yeah. You know that um, that attitude is um, really a lack of faith. Yeah. And Terry, if I believe that, yeah, I quit. I, I mean, hear you, man. I would wish you would quit. So honestly, what? why bother yeah it's It's not just just a game it's not just going through some motions and that's sadly the way too many seem to treat it is if you know and there there are many issues that arise where people say oh yeah sure they can receive communion um we need to really believe and, and frankly, if you do believe, I've had non-Catholics tell me, if I believed what you believe, what you say Amen. you believe as Catholics, then I'd be on my knees all the time. Amen. And I, I, those people, I think, are authentically speaking about what we who do believe, Amen. we really need to, to pay attention to. That's why we need, because the Lord of the universe is there, veiled in the form of bread and wine, um, his real body and blood. And right. in, in the, the saints speak of this in beautiful ways through the ages. We, we as Catholics really need to decide, do we believe this or not? Amen. And if we say, I mean, I hope people ask that question and come to the side of faith because it really all becomes meaningless. If you don't believe that life is sacred, If you don't believe that bread and wine becomes the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, why do we believe that? Because he said it did. Read chapter six of John's gospel. Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. I believe him. Amen. That doesn't mean I fully live up to that belief. I need to keep working at it. But if we don't believe it, then we might as well just shut it down. Amen. I was going to say brother, but amen, Bishop. You're
0: listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're going to open up our catechisms when we get back to paragraph 185. Stay with me. Welcome back to the... Bishop Strickland Hour. We're going to open up our catechisms, but I want to also promote something coming up. It's on the theology of the body by St. John Paul II. It's called Sex and the Honor. It's going to be a conference held August 7th here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. We have Dr. Louis Sandoval, psychiatrist and on the healing and deliverance ministry in the Diocese of Orange, who has a weekly show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We also have Sherry uh, Bollinger, who is actually one of the Producers of the film Roe Ro versus Wade, and she's very much in Hollywood with moral teachings, and so I think she'll be good. My wife, Mary Danielle, will be speaking also at that event. And then uh, we have a women's conference with a couple good holy priests coming, uh, and that'll be September 18th here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. And for those who missed the men's conference last weekend, you can, see, you can still watch it by going to vmpr.org are calling us at 877-526-2151. Bishop Strickland, I'm opening up the Catechism of the Catholic Church to paragraph 185. It's the section 2 of the profession of the Christian faith, the creeds. So, 185 paragraph says, Whoever says, I believe, says, I pledge myself to what we believe. Communion in faith <clears throat> needs a common language of faith normative for all, and uniting all in the same confession of faith. Well, that makes sense, right? We all have to be on the same page.
1: Yep. Yep. Just recently, one of the Office of Readings reflections, I forget which saint was Mm -hmm. reflecting, but talking about the Our Father. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that Jesus gave us when when the disciples asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Yep. He teaches the Our Father, and it's not the My Father, it's the Our Father, Mm -hmm. reminding us that we are one body, we are a communion, we are meant to be in unity with each other and with the Lord. So that's what this basically is expressing. When we say, I believe, Mm -hmm. we are part of the body of belief that is the church.
0: Mm -hmm. So good. Paragraph 186 follows up from the beginning. The apostolic church expressed and handed on her faith in brief formulas for all. But already early on, the church also wanted to gather the essential elements of its faith into an organic, articulated summary intended especially for candidates for baptism. So someone who's going to be baptized, it made sense. You have to give them a summary of what we're believing in. And uh, is that is that the genesis of uh, Bishop Strickland of catechisms from the the idea that new members were coming in, that we had to somehow give them the basics?
1: Sure. Um, that's exactly what it is. And as the church came to understand more clearly um who Jesus really is, yeah. Fully God, fully man. Amen. Um, interestingly from a different perspective. In the early church, the, there was a lot of, there were a lot of questions. There were a lot of heresies that developed. Yeah. <coughs> Some said, oh, he was really a man that was just very holy, but he wasn't God. Others said, well, he was just God, but he just sort of dressed up like a man. He, he sort of put on man a man suit, but he wasn't a real human being. Yeah. The church came to the faith, Fully God and fully man. And that's what the creeds or the profession of faith begins to express. <laughs> awesome.
0: This paragraph 187 says, Such a, a synthesis are called professions of faith. Since they summarize the faith that Christians profess, they are called creeds on account of what is usually their first word in Latin, credo, I believe. They're also called symbols of faith so bishop strickland i i wanted to ask you back in the 1960s i believe saint paul the sixth wrote in 1968 the same year he did the himani vitae encyclical he said it was the creed and and what i read is he just summarized a creed that the church has always believed and i was told that the reason he did that is because in the 1960s it started getting a little crazy and the Holy Father wanted to just, you know, he did the Mysterium Fide, which is on the Holy Eucharist, saying we believe in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ, because there were questions. It seemed like Paul VI took the creed and just took the ancient creeds and restated all of this to kind of shore up anybody who was, you know, might think that we have had some compromises. And it seems like creeds have been very important to keeping people, you know, united on the unity of the church.
1: Absolutely. Yep. And that's the catechism that we're reading from is an outgrowth to, from that idea of there is a truth that has been revealed to us, and to to capture that, whether it's in the paragraphs of the Catechism or the few words of the profession of faith that we make on sundays, it it helps to reinforce. It helps to to echo. What we believe, and um, I'm sure we've both heard, even as kids, mm-hmm. repetition is the soul of learning. Oh yeah, and that's what a creed allows us to keep repeating the same basic things. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, yeah. Creator of heaven and earth.
0: And just a quick note: we, I have a video that's called "Our Catholic Faith," and I did this back in the 1990s. Uh, right when the Catechism of the Catholic Church was kind of getting worked out, I think it was 93, and uh, I took the Baltimore Catechism and used sacred art to teach people the fundamentals of the faith, the the attributes of God, the four marks of the Church, and I want to make that available to anyone who wants it. If they want to call 877-526-2151, yeah, you don't have to make a donation, but if you want to help us, you know, we have to bake the DVD and mail it to you. That'd be grand, but it's such a good video. When I had a Lighthouse Catholic Media going, we distributed over 350,000 copies of that catechism, and it's just 58 minutes, but it covers the angels, it covers the commandments, the sacraments. People tell me after they read that or after they watched that video that they learn more in those 58 minutes than 12 years of Catholic education. Sorry, Bishop Strickland, I know you got Catholic schools, but... My concern is um, lots of people just missed out on good catechesis, and that's why reading the catechism, getting good videos on the faith are so important. And I still say this, Bishop Strickland, my kids grew up on the Baltimore Catechism, and they know their faith. And it's because they had repetition. Why did God make you? You know, all these questions, they, they got all that. Now, obviously, they might have the head knowledge but without the the knowledge in the heart where they can really live it, they're missing that part, but you know without without the heart. so anyhow, I, I just share that with you because i I just want to say for our listeners, studying the faith, the creeds are incredibly important because this is something that what we call perennial teachings of the church has been going on for centuries, and I think that uh especially in these times, maybe I'm off. But especially in these times, we need to really major on the fundamentals of the faith because people are going to walk away if they don't have a grounding in their faith.
1: Absolutely. And uh, we're hearing too much that people speak as if, oh, well, that that's not true anymore or the truth has changed. And... It, it doesn't change. I mean, the truth is the truth. And that's what a, a profession of faith, these are ancient, centuries and centuries old. yeah. And they've lasted because they speak of truth that really isn't just something that people just wrote down. It's capturing reality. It's capturing the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, just like you um, speak of the Baltimore Catechism. Yeah. Who made us? That is a basic <laughs> answer. Who made us? God made us. Man. Who made you? God made you. That we need to get back to because yeah. too many people in it, it, it it, works. It, it's it's more significant than you might think. Like, oh, well, of course, God made me. But too many people, without really even stopping to think about it, they may not be professed atheists. Yeah but they act as if they made themselves. And when we start going down that path, we see a lot of the, the fractured reality that we see in the world where people are, because if we make ourselves, then we can unmake ourselves and we can change. And that, that, gets, that begins to get really crazy and really destructive to people because the truth is God made us. And when we start moving away from how God made us and what God made us for, then we really start to to mess up the world. And that's a lot of what we see. People deciding, oh, God didn't make us, so we can make ourselves and we can abuse those people because they don't have any power. And it, it just becomes distorted um, in ways that are destructive to the individual into to the human family.
0: And you know, Bishop Strickland, that's what's going on today in our culture. We act like we're God. We're usurping God's authority, and that is offensive, obviously, as a serious sin. If we can think that, you know, God made me, okay, uh, but you know what? He made me as a man, but I didn't want to be a man, so I want to be a woman. You see, yeah. it's really um, the same problem we had from the original uh, Adam and Eve, you know, we we don't like God's ideas, so we're going to make up our own ideas here. And so I think that using the catechism to help build up a foundation for people to know their meaning and purpose of life is essential in today's church. And I thank you for your clarity and your charity. I, I will just say as a layman, uh, and I know you've told me this, that if you ever said something in the catechism, you know, teaching that was not in this catechism, you would want me to call you out on it. And I thank you for that. Bishop Sheen said that the laity are going to have to call priests and bishops to be loyal and and faithful to the magisterial teachings of the church. And this was back in the 70s. So I do it with, when I, when I correct a bishop, if he said something, I would all humility say, Bishop, I'm sorry, but how does that square with this catechism? And, you know, with all due respect. And I think that uh, that's not pride. It's just the fact we need, we have a, a right to the fullness of the truth. That's what canon law says. And Bishop Strickland, thank you for taking the time to share the catechism with us. Could we get your blessing for our listeners, please?
1: Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank
0: you again. And for those who want to hear other shows of Bishop Strickland, just go to vmpr.org, and you can download the free app. You can listen to these shows anywhere in the world. And I want to thank all of you who have been supporting Virgin Post-Powerful Radio. We have some new shows coming on with the Knights of Columbus, and you'll see new ones coming up in the next 30 days. So go to our website, vmpr.org, and may God richly bless you and your family, and hope to see you again next week at the same time for the Bishop Strickland Hour. God love you and your family.